In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Betches Moms, with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Brittany and today we are joined by Mallory Whitmore, certified infant feeding tech and founder of The Formula Mom. Welcome, Mallory. Thanks for coming on Betches Moms. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a privilege. I'm excited to talk with you today. I'm so excited because I was actually referred to speak to you from our followers. I had recorded a story that I was having some feeding issues with my four-month-old mm-hmm. son, Jack, and I had contacted you, and you were mm-hmm. a huge help to me. So thank oh, you good. for that. Um, amazing, amazing help. So um, like, how did you find yourself as the formula <laughs> mom? How did this start? That is a great <laughs> question. So my first child uh, daughter is five, and when I had her, I assumed that I would breastfeed. Not even necessarily because I wanted to breastfeed, but because that was just what I assumed I needed to do. And, you know, I had been told that that's what, you know, quote unquote, good moms did. So I took the classes and whatever else. And uh, it was just a mess from the start, both in terms of like her functionality. She was early and had some trouble. And then my postpartum mood really got bad really quickly. And I realized that this wasn't going to work for us um, trying to nurse or pump. And then I noticed that there was just nowhere where I could find high quality, unbiased, supportive information about formula, how to choose a formula, how to formula feed successfully, how to feel okay about formula feeding. And I was like, that is really unfortunate. So I sat on that for a while and then I had my second child a couple years later and thought, surely, you know, it's been like two and a half years, there's gotta be something else out here because we decided to formula feed from the start with him. And there still wasn't. And I was like, this needs to change. And so I spent the last two and a half years, I went back to school to become a certified feeding technician. I worked for a formula company for a year and then launched my platform to try to create that sort of um, resource that I really was looking for five years ago. And so now I'm on Instagram and I, I serve moms and families and anybody who wants more information about how to formula feed and feel good about it. That's great that you saw that there was an opening in this space, that there was no no help for any of the moms that wanted mm-hmm. a formula feed or even just bottle feed, even if you're, you know, bottle feeding your breast milk. Um, and ever since I found your page, it's been so helpful to me and I know so helpful mm-hmm. for so many of our followers. So I think it's really great that you did that for, and I'm sure everybody's grateful that you've, you've done this. There is such like a negative stigma around formula feeding. And so you would think it's 2021, like we've, you know, we've mastered making the formula. Like, why is there this negative stigma? What do you think it is? Yeah, 
I think it's a couple of things. I think, well, I'll say up front that the sort of stigma that you experience around your infant feeding depends so much around the circle and the culture that you live in. So sometimes I'll talk about how I felt, which is that I didn't know anybody else in my circle that was formula feeding. Everybody was breastfeeding. It was assumed. And I felt really isolated. And then I, you know, I'll talk about that on Instagram and other people will be like, well, I don't know anybody that's breastfeeding. And it's totally different. It's totally different, your experience based on where you live and what your friends are doing and what you have access to and all of that. I think largely the stigma comes from sort of this pendulum that that was trying to correct for in the you know 70s and 80s, a big push away from breastfeeding towards formula feeding, but has now overcorrected and the pendulum has swung too far the other way to where now the push is so strongly towards breastfeeding. Um, and it, not just about the benefits of breastfeeding, but in order to promote the benefits of breastfeeding has sort of taken the position of demonizing formula feeding. And so that has left this group of people and truly 75% of families use formula by six months, according to the CDC. So the great majority of families are using formula, but no one's talking about it because they feel bad about it, because they've been told they should feel bad about it. And then that sort of perpetuates the stigma where everybody feels like this is something that should be hush-hush, that should I should be ashamed of, that I should keep to myself lest I be judged. And then that creates additional stigma because everybody else still feels like they're the only ones. So it's definitely complicated, but it's um, it's tough for sure. Yeah. is there Are there any studies that show the difference between a formula-fed baby and a breastfed baby? And what are those differences? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's tricky because the gold standard in scientific research is the um, randomized control trial, where you randomly assign folks into one group or the other. It's not ethical to do that sort of research around infant feeding because you can't force people to breastfeed or force people to formula feed. So the research that everybody references looks at folks who by and large opt into one or the other and we know that folks that are higher income that have salaried positions that have greater maternity leave that have um, higher incomes better access to health care are all more likely to opt into breastfeeding we also know that those are the same people that tend to have higher iqs and whose children tend to have better outcomes regardless of what they're fed So you have this sort of confounding factor where it's hard to piece out, is it the breast milk or is it that people that are more likely to breastfeed are also more likely to have advantages that benefit children? The best research that we can look at are sibling comparison studies where they look at a family where one sibling was breastfed for whatever reason, one sibling was formula fed for whatever reason, and then they look at outcomes because that controls for all the other factors like parental education, parental IQ, socioeconomic status, access to healthcare, those sorts of things. And when we look at sibling comparison studies, there is no statistically significant difference in pretty much any metric. So not in obesity, not in like physical health outcomes, not in academic achievement, not in IQ or anything like that. And so what we can deduce from those studies is that it's not the milk <laughs> that is making a kid yeah. more successful or less successful or more healthy or less healthy. It's, you know, other familial factors that um, we tend to ignore because it's easier to just say, okay, well, if everybody breastfeeds, everybody will be healthier. And that's right. not to say there aren't benefits to breast milk. There absolutely are. But I think sometimes we over-exaggerate the benefits of breast milk and under-exaggerate these things that are more meaningful but are much harder to solve, like right. you know, issues of systemic poverty, <laughs> things like that. 
Right, right. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So scientifically, what makes formula just as good of an option as breast milk? And how did it, was it always this good? And how did we get to the point where it is high quality? Yeah, it definitely was not always this good. So if you look back at the history of formula in the early years, and I mean, this is like hundreds of years ago. I think sometimes people think that, well, before formula, everybody just breastfed. But in reality, before formula, there was wet nursing and there was animal milk and there was infant mortality. So um, yeah, so that's not always the case. But um, we saw lots of um, things like goat milk, some cow milk, other mammal milks. Then there was a period where it was a lot of like condensed milk or evaporated milk mixed with molasses and things like that. High quality formula really got introduced into our economy in like the early 1900s. And even then the process of making formula more similar to breast milk has just been such a scientific achievement over the last hundred or so years. So what makes formula similar to breast milk is that it mirrors the macronutrient and the micronutrient composition of breast milk. So very specifically looks at what percentage of calories come from carbohydrates in breast milk. We're gonna make the same percentage of calories come from carbohydrates in formula. What percentage of calories come from fats and what type of fats and what is the essential fatty acid profile? Okay, we know we need linoleic acid. We know we need palmitic acid, things like that. And then mirroring that over what type of proteins are available in breast milk and how do we make sure that we have the same type of protein and the same protein composition in formula. And then those micronutrients, vitamins and minerals, 
what percentages do we see in breast milk? And then we, you know, go over and we add those in formula. And so the differences between breast milk and formula are largely in um, what are called bioactive components. So things like stem cells, hormones, antibodies, things that are really difficult to put into a formula because they're like evolving and living and, and those right. sorts of things. But um, the proportion of breast milk that is those bioactive components is about 1%. So 99% of the composition of breast milk, with a note here that 87% is water, um, is mirrored in formula almost exactly. And the portion that formula can't replicate those bioactive components is really, really, really small. That's so interesting because I didn't realize like that's how similar that they really have made it. And it's really just that 1% of breast milk that carries all those you know, properties that you can't replicate. So how could somebody go about finding the right formula for them? Because there's an insane amount yes. on the market right now. Yeah, there. I think in the US market right now, there's about 50 different formulas. It's so many. And I always encourage folks to try to cut through like the marketing noise. So you'll look at the shelves and it'll be like closest to breast milk boosts brain development supports immunity and you're like oh my gosh i want all of those things like what um so try to ignore those marketing claims and look at the ingredients because the ingredients are really going to tell you what's closest to breast milk or not and by and large what parents want first and foremost is a formula that's close to breast milk so i always encourage parents to look for a formula that has lactose as the carb source because that's the predominant lactose in breast milk a formula that has added whey protein because Mature breast milk has about 60% whey protein. Cow milk only has 20. So if your formula doesn't have extra whey protein, it's not as close to breast milk as it could be. So lactose, extra whey protein, things like DHA and ARA, which are essential fatty acids that are important for brain development and eye health. Prebiotics, probiotics, which help um, develop the gut microbiome and things like that. So I always suggest parents start with what I consider a standard formula. That's gonna work for about 80% of babies and then go to a potentially gentle formula or sensitive formula or hypoallergenic formula as needed if you see symptoms. Sometimes parents will start with a sensitive formula because they think, oh, well, babies are sensitive. Their digestive systems are brand new. But really, the majority of folks are going to want to start with a standard formula, which has 100% lactose and intel intact milk proteins. And then you can always go to something more sensitive if needed. But the more sensitive you get, the further it is from the composition of breast milk in terms of ingredients. That's great advice because I think you just kind of took out, like you said, you took out all the noise. You're like, mm -hmm. this is what you need. I feel like every mom needs to hear that statement <laughs> of what you're looking for when you're walking down the aisle because it is, it's crazy. Like all the marketing, it's like, well, you know, one company is making 10 different kinds and it's like, well, don't you want to put that it's brain boosting in every single one of your formulas? Like what, what's up with this? But so then like, now we have also European formulas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's been like a huge hype. I know mm -hmm. in my circle of friends, like everyone's like, you have to get the, mm -hmm. you know, hip and whatever. Yeah. So what makes the European formula so amazing? Is it really mm -hmm. that much better than what we're getting here in the US? Yes, this is absolutely a hot topic right now, especially because about a month ago, six weeks ago, we saw a big FDA recall on a lot of yes, European formulas. Huge. So everybody was freaking out. So the deal with European formulas is that the European regulating body, which is called the European Commission, it's their equivalent of the FDA, 
has stricter requirements for their formulas than the FDA does. So for example, European formulas are not allowed to use corn syrup or corn syrup solids. They limit the amount of sucrose that can be used, which is table sugar. They require DHA. Um, there can be no detectable pesticide residues in any of their finished products. They allow goat milk as a protein source, things like that. So the standards are objectively much higher than what we see in the FDA. What I always encourage folks with is that just because the FDA does not require those higher standards, it doesn't mean that there aren't formulas in the U.S. that meet those higher standards. So if you are interested in a higher quality product, but you're like unsure about importing, there are formula options in the U.S. that meet those higher standards. I also like to remind folks that there are risks to importing, um, specifically around quality control with shipment, like making sure that the temperature is is controlled. We don't know how long it's on a boat or on a plane or how long it's sitting in customs and things like that. You also run the risk of, you know, having your preparations and preparation instructions in like Dutch or German. And, you know, it can be difficult to make sure that you're preparing the formula correctly. And then you run the risk of if there's a recall, not knowing about the recall because, you know, you're not going to be notified as a third party importer about what the European Commission is doing. So certainly there are benefits to European formulas, but there are also risks. And that's just a process any individual family is going to have to weigh about, you know, what's most important to them and what they're willing to tolerate in terms of risk versus benefit. Right. Um, that's really interesting because I actually didn't think about those things when I, I was using HIP for a minute. Yeah. And then I switched. I, I tried a lot of different formulas. Uh, yes, you're not alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> because also we know now there's this new uh, brand on the market, Bobby, mm-hmm. that like everyone is raving yes. about. But is it really is it really the first FDA-approved formula that meets those European standards? Like you were saying, there are things on the market people just don't realize. In a lot of ways, yes. So the ways in which Bobby meets those standards, the biggest one is their level of DHA. So the European Commission requires at least um, 20 units of DHA per serving. The FDA doesn't require any DHA at all, actually. And so most U.S. formulas that include DHA include like 7 to 10 units, which is a lot less. So Bobby meets that um, FDA, or excuse me, that European Commission requirement for DHA. Bobby also has lower iron than most other U.S. formulas, which is more in line with what European formulas do, which means it's less likely to constipate. Um, They're organic, and then all of their milk is pasture-raised dairy, so you're not getting corn byproduct um, in your milk, which conventional dairy is raised with corn, and so then you may get corn byproduct in the milk, sort of incidentally. And so, yeah, they really do a good job of meeting a lot of those quality indicators. Because it's organic, you're also not going to get the pesticide residue. There are a couple of others. Um, Similac Pure Bliss is actually manufactured in Ireland. And so it meets those quality indicators. It's not technically organic. It's like all non-GMO and grass-fed, but not organic. And then um, another one is Cabrita, which is a goat milk formula. It's technically marketed for toddlers here in the U.S., but it's sold here at Whole Foods, but it's made in the Netherlands. So you get sort of, again, that sort of combo where it's made in Europe, it meets those indicators, but it's sold here locally. That's so interesting because mm-hmm. I've never heard of these. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I've seen them walking down the aisle, like I said, yeah. but you don't hear because uh-huh. there's so much noise. There really is no education mm-hmm. on it. And like, it's kind of sad because we have, we like we were saying, we have so much education on breastfeeding and it's there, but it's, you know, it's not, it's really not fair to these parents. Maybe the, it's not even their choice to not 
breastfeed that they can't. So they should have this education and know all of these things. And it's, it's sad and it's frustrating. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If, if a parent is mixing... Mm-hmm. If they are supplementing their yeah. breast milk with formula. Is it safe to mix them in a bottle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you will hear different opinions from different people. Safety-wise, yes, it's totally fine. With the caveat that if you mix formula and breast milk in the same bottle, you have to follow formula food safety rules. So that's, you know, it. there are different um, requirements in terms of how long you can keep a formula bottle out or how long it's good for that are have shorter windows than what we know is acceptable for breast milk. So for example, formula is only good for an hour after it's touched your baby's mouth. Breast milk is good for two. Formula is only good for two hours at room temperature before you offer the bottle. Breast milk is good for, I think, four. So if you do combine them, you have to follow those formula food safety rules. So some people will suggest not combining them because you may run the risk of having to toss a bottle more quickly, uh, which means that you may waste some of your breast milk. And I know that's precious. So yeah, but from a safety (laughs) perspective, yes, you can combine them. Um, And actually the AAP just came out and said, you don't even have to combine them at the same temperature anymore, which that was a big thing. I know, especially for people who are mixing breast milk first and then whatever. So now, um, you know, certainly you don't want anything boiling that might kill off those, you know, good bacteria in the breast milk. But other than that, yeah. Right. You can combine them, or sometimes people will supplement by like alternating. Well, they'll do a formula bottle and then they'll nurse at night, or they'll do, you know, formula during the day at daycare and then bottles of pumped milk at home or whatever. That's fine too. Yeah. That's actually what I do. Mm-hmm. I do formula at daycare and then pump milk yeah. at home. That's great. Yeah. That's for, we'll see how much longer that lasts. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we know also that there's generic formulas. Mm-hmm. So are those. What's the quality of a generic formula based on the main brand? Yeah, I love this question because there is a lot of, I feel like, fear and concern and misinformation about generic formulas. And I always tell people, you know, it's not like ketchup where truly, like, who wants Heinz ketchup, right? Like, everybody wants Heinz because, you know, it feels like it's better. Um, 
But generic formulas are required by the FDA, just like any other formula, to meet the same infant nutrient standards. So you are going to have the exact same nutrition in a generic formula as you are in a standard formula. Where things differ is the ingredients that a formula might use to pull those nutrients. So just like you can get protein from lentils or you can get protein from salami, uh, a formula might get protein from cow's milk or it might get protein from soy or it might get protein from goat's milk, whatever else. So the nutrition is gonna be the same in terms of carbs, protein, fat, vitamins and minerals, but the ingredients may differ. For the most part though, generic formulas will largely use the same ingredients and may do something super small, like use a different kind of prebiotic that's a little bit cheaper or use a different source for their DHA that's a little bit cheaper. Um, But by and large, generic formulas are just as good. They have the same or similar ingredients. They have the same nutrition. They're going to be a lot cheaper. And the other thing that most people don't realize is that the same company makes pretty much all generics. So they're the same recipe store to store. So Target's like generic advantage formula is the same recipe as Rite Aid's generic advantage formula, which is the same recipe as Walmart's generic advantage formula. So you can really price shop um, not only by choosing generic, but also by choosing the retailer for which you're using for the generic. So it's a great way to save money. And truly, um, most people find that if their baby tolerates the name brand, they'll tolerate the generic too. Well, that's good because, you know, sometimes you could be, if you're traveling, you're stuck somewhere, you're like, oh my God, I need formula, can't find it. You know that it won't be such a big deal to Mm -hmm. switch maybe to that generic brand from a different store. This is actually something that I'm dealing with right now where my son has a milk protein allergy. So he is on Alimentum, which is kind of like why we went through all these different formulas. Um, what are your feelings on Alimentum and the Nutramagen? Nutramagen, <laughs> yes. And um, these these lactose-free or low milk protein formulas. Yeah, so they are absolutely necessary and absolutely life-saving for some families. They are expensive, which is unfortunate. You have very little um, choice in terms of organic or non-GMO. I mean, you basically have your three your three conventional choices, which are the two you mentioned. Then also Gerber has one called Gerber Extensive HA. And that's pretty much it. So I know, you know, sometimes parents feel bad or feel guilty about the fact that you know, they have to use one of these formulas and they don't have a lot of choice about it. Um, but truly, you know, if your baby is having a reaction to cow milk protein, it's the best option for you. There is actually yeah. a new generic. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's the generic version of the Nutriamogen. So it's a little bit different in composition than the Alimentum. But that is making it more accessible to a lot of families because, I mean, I'm sure you you know, those hypoallergenic formulas are so expensive. So expensive. So expensive. And it's, ugh, it's tough. One thing that's great is if your child is on it for a medical reason, having an allergy, mm-hmm. if you have that doctor's note, your insurance yes. a lot of the time will cover it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is great information. I'm currently yes. trying to work on mm-hmm. that right now because it's insane. Yeah. How it's actually, it's, 
I don't think it's acceptable to be that expensive. No, because truly it's a medical it's a medical need. I mean, no one would just put their kid on a hypoallergenic formula for fun at that expense. No. Like, and it smells. It does. It does. And that's difficult for some babies too. Uh, if they're used to breast milk or if they're used to a standard formula, and then you have to switch to hypoallergenic. And then it's like, my baby won't take it because it's so strong in smell and taste. It yeah. can be a tough transition for sure. Yeah, it was the first bottle that my son took. He wouldn't drink the bottle and it was the yeah. most frustrating day of my life. Mm-hmm. Well, not of my life, but it was just very frustrating. Yeah, that's hard. When it comes to when you're choosing the right mm-hmm. bottle, when you're choosing the right nipple, again, you have the same thing. You have all these yeah. bottles on the market, all these nipple, nipple mm-hmm. sizes on the market. How do parents know which is right for them and their baby? Yes. So some of this, just like formula, is going to be trial and error, but... Um, generally speaking, you don't want a bottle or nipple that looks like a breast. And that is confusing, right? Because again, with the marketing, you'll see these, you know, bottles and nipples that are really rounded and it looks like a breast and it says closest to the breast, whatever. But you actually want a bottle with a nipple that is gradually sloped, that looks more like a human nipple in the, and functions more like a human nipple in a baby's mouth. So I typically recommend Dr. Brown's, um, Evenflow Balance Plus, Lanaso, or MAM. I tend to steer away from um, Komotomo and, um, oh gosh, what's the other one? Nano Baby, um, where it's truly like a rounded nipple base and then there's just yeah. like a little <laughs> a little um, nipple teeth that sticks up. Yes. Because that tends to create a shallower latch, which means that babies can take in more air, which means that you're going to get more trapped gas in the belly and causes discomfort. All of that said, though, the best nipple and the best formula is the one that works for your baby. So if you're using Komotomo right. and it's great for you, keep doing that. Don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. The majority of babies, though, especially if you're trying to transition from breast to bottle, will do better on a more sloped, gradually sloped nipple. Yeah, I actually found that I like the Dr. Brown's wide neck. Mm-hmm. And they have, a, they have a new wide neck nipple because I used really? it for my older son. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll have to look at and that. I, and I think they changed it to be a little bit more like the nipple, like you said, a gradual slope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it better um, this time because I was actually not going to use the wide neck. I was like, I don't even, I feel like there's no difference. But like mm-hmm. this, there really is a difference. And I, yeah. I, that's what I found was best for us. Yeah. But if you're using a formula that's mm-hmm. powder and you have to mix it, is there a specific water that you should be using? Because they say, you know, oh, you have to use distilled water, but do you have to? Mm-hmm. And Yes. So there's a lot of debate about this based on which governing body's recommendations you're looking at. So I tend to defer to the AAP because the majority of my followers are in the U.S. and I'm in the U.S. So that's the American Academy of Pediatric recommendations. And their stance is that for the majority of babies who are full term and not immunocompromised, you can actually use room temperature tap water so long as your tap water is safe to drink. Um their stance is that boiling water, you have a greater risk of burns for the parent or the baby than you do from bacteria that could be in the water or the formula. The CDC or the World Health Organization are very strongly pro-boiled water, largely because they advise folks outside of the US who don't always have access to clean, safe water. For parents that aren't sure about their tap water or they're just not comfortable or they themselves don't drink their tap water, I do recommend bottles of distilled water. And it does not have to be nursery water. That tends to be a marketing thing. It's more expensive. Sometimes it is fluoride, which your baby does not need before six months. So just like the store brand, Kroger brand, whatever, bottles of distilled water um, are what I recommend. Okay. So if I'm using, I use water from 
Like I have a water cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's is fine. that that's safe? Yeah, I'm good. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. great. <laughs> so, what is the difference though between the the ready to feed and mm-hmm. the powdered? Is the is the actual formula different? Yes. So, um, ready to feed formula as well as formula that's from concentrate, which is a little bit harder to find. All liquid formula is sterile. Powdered formula is not. And that tends to freak people out. And they're like, well, of course I want a sterile formula. And then I remind them that expressed breast milk is not sterile. It's not necessarily bad to have a non-sterile product. The ready-to-feed tends to be recommended to preemies or babies that are brand new or babies that are immunocompromised because it does reduce the risk of... um, having bacteria in the formula or introducing bacteria as you're scooping. You know, you open it up, you pour it. There's a lot less risk that you're going to introduce bacteria that way. The majority of babies can use powdered formula even from the start. I always encourage folks to talk to their pediatrician about that. There tend to be some differences in ingredients between the two as well. A lot of folks will think, okay, well, if my baby tolerates the powder, they'll definitely tolerate the ready-to-feed because it says it's the same. When in reality, sometimes they're different. You might have seen this with Alimentum. I don't know if you're using the the powder or the ready-to-feed, but the ready-to-feed is entirely corn-free, and the powder is full of corn product. And so some babies do a lot better on the ready-to-feed Alimentum because it removes corn, which is another common um, allergy trigger after you know milk and soy. Um, a lot of the times the ready to feed will also have emulsifiers or stabilizers in it to prevent the product from separating that the powder does not because it's sterile the ready to feed isn't going to have probiotics or sometimes the powder does so there are some differences and so i encourage parents if they want to use both to make sure that they're paying attention to see how their baby is going to tolerate it because it is not a given that if your baby tolerates one they'll tolerate the other Right. Yeah, we actually did have that issue where I'm doing the ready to feed Alimentum Mm -hmm. and I tried the powdered Alimentum Mm -hmm. and it was a disaster of a day. Um, But I did find it's frustrating to me because I do find that it's easier to travel with powdered Mm -hmm. formula than it is liquid formula because then you're worrying about the temperature and you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to keep it in a cooler with an ice pack Mm -hmm. and then you have to you know, heat it up and everything. So I definitely find that super frustrating. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I agree. You have to try both. Yeah. You know, we spoke about how Alimentum is this uh, really expensive Mm -hmm. formula, but is there, and we also know that most formulas just aren't cheap, but is there a really great affordable option out there? Mm -hmm. Not not for being dairy-free, just in general. Yeah, absolutely. So any of those generics that we talked about earlier are a great option. Another really affordable option if you're interested in something organic is a brand called um, Nature's One Babies Only. So it's marketed for toddlers. So if you see it at Whole Foods, it'll say toddler formula, but they meet the FDA nutrient requirements for infants. So they are safe to use under 12 months, though I always encourage folks to talk to their pediatrician before using since it is marketed for toddlers. Right. Um, But it is absurdly cheap. It's like $10 a can compared, and that's for about 400 grams compared to Bobby, which is $24 a can. So significantly, significantly cheaper for an organic, non-GMO, palm oil-free product. You have to get over the hump that it's marketed for toddlers, and I'm telling you, it meets the requirements for infants, and they have charts on their website that shows that. But it's a really sort of hidden gem in the formula world that's really affordable, really high quality, 
and they have a couple of different varieties. They actually have one that's made with pea protein for babies with um, milk allergies. So might be something to look into. That's like the best kept secret. It really is. It really is. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Speaking of toddler formula, what's the deal with toddler formula? Because this is only something I've recently heard about. Yeah, so the majority of babies are not going to require a toddler formula, and the majority of toddler formulas I don't think are very good if we're talking about conventional toddler formulas, Simlac, Infamil, whatever. And those are brands that I really like and trust their infant formulas. So I'm not, you know, trying to bash on the brand. Their toddler formulas have a lot of added sugar, which toddlers do not need. Um, no. The majority <laughs> of infants are going to be fine moving to whole milk or to a plant-based milk alternative, you know, ideally something like um, pea protein or oat milk that has a lot of protein and fat. Some families will like to use a toddler formula simply because they like that it's shelf-stable. So if they travel a lot, they're not trying to figure out how to get milk to their hotel room or whatever else. Sometimes families will use a toddler formula because their baby has an allergy and they're not comfortable with using a nut-based milk or something like that. Um, And they want to continue to use something where they know that it's allergen controlled. And then sometimes parents just feel better about offering a more nutrient dense product, Um, especially if their little one's picky or if they're underweight or whatever. You can really control largely by changing the ratio of powder to water how many calories you're getting into your toddler using a toddler formula in a way that you can't with milk. So it's certainly more expensive to continue to use a formula versus, you know, buying a gallon of milk. Um, But for some families, it may make sense just based on their needs or their priorities. That's understandable. So just Mm -hmm. like your average toddler, it's not something that you would feel like you have to go out and buy. Because I think that could be confusing. Yeah, not at all. And we really want at 12 months, the priority should be food with any sort of milk, toddler formula or otherwise, as a supplement to the nutrition yeah. that they're getting in food. And that that can be a hard shift, you know, up until one, it's like food before one is just for fun. And it's like milk, formula, milk, formula. And then it's like food, 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 you know, that's hard. Totally. What are some of the easier to digest formulas? Because a lot of people have feel like they have issues of gas and colic mm-hmm. and constipation and it might not be the milk protein allergy. They don't have to go mm-hmm. for, you know, the nutrient neutromagen or the mm-hmm. elementum I can't say it yeah. yeah but so what are some other really good options for that yeah so first I would say that some measure of digestive symptoms or issues is going to be normal just because your baby's brand new their digestive system is brand new they're learning how to process food by mouth so things like gas and reflux are almost unavoidable no matter what you're feeding The other thing is that changing the technique for how you're bottle feeding can resolve a lot of those symptoms. And I talk about this occasionally on my page. It's called paste feeding. It basically means keeping your baby more upright, keeping the bottle more horizontal so that they're in control of how much milk they're taking in versus, you know, typically we cradle them and we hold the bottle at an angle and then gravity does a lot of that work. 
which means that they can be overfed and they could be gulping or you know struggling to take in a faster flow and they take in more air and then that creates more drama. So I always encourage folks to sort of temper their expectations and make sure that they are using appropriate bottle feeding technique before they look at switching the formula. Because if it's a technique problem and not a formula problem, then if you switch the formula, now you have two problems potentially. So once you've sort of done your your homework there, um, I encourage folks to look at adding a probiotic supplement because that can really help. And then if you've done those things and you need a different formula, looking at a formula that has gentler protein is where you want to start. So not necessarily immediately jumping to a lactose-free formula, but instead looking at a formula that has partially or enzymatically hydrolyzed proteins. So that's things like Gerber Good Start Gentle or Gerber Good Start Soothe. Infamil Reguline is another one. Um, some for some folks infamil gentle works a lot of folks tend to have gas on that i think because it's pretty reduced lactose um burt's bees has a new um oh. burt's bees ultra gentle which is 100 percent lactose but has hydrolyzed whey protein things like that so looking at a gentle pro uh, gentle formula that has gentle protein a2 formulas are another really good option that are really new in the last like year um that still have full lactose but have removed and this is getting technical the a1 beta casein protein that tends to cause issues um those that that is where i would start versus immediately going to like a similac sensitive which has intact milk proteins but no lactose generally modifying that milk protein first is going to get you a better result i remember you were telling me about the a the a1 the A2, mm-hmm. it's Similac, right? Mm-hmm. Similac yeah. and, and Gerber all have one now. Oh, they all have. I remember you were telling me about that when I was asking you about different mm-hmm. ones to switch to. I had ended yeah. up switching to Bobby, mm-hmm. but but obviously that didn't uh, work out. That's not going to work <laughs> if you got a, pro- a milk protein allergy. Yeah. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I know that there's also a lot of moms that do start with nursing or breastfeeding and then, you know, they hit their point or they can't produce anymore and they want to switch to formula what is the best way to make that transition Mm -hmm. this is a good question and there are different frames of reference for for how you want to think about this so if you have an allergy that's confirmed or suspected you're going to want to go cold turkey and just switch and that's going to be difficult emotionally and probably physically for everybody but the goal is to you know get that allergen out of the system as quickly as possible If your baby is showing symptoms, they're gassy, they're fussy, they're spitting up, and you're like, maybe a different formula could help, then I recommend doing a slower transition where you're introducing the new formula at like a 25% ratio, 25% new formula, 75% what you were currently using for every bottle for two or three days, then go up to 50-50, then go up to 75-25, and then at the end of the week, you're 100% on the new formula. That tends to be a little easier on everybody's, um, on everybody, both, you know, your pa- the parent in terms of their emotional response to the situation and yeah. also the baby's digestive system. Yeah, that's something that's always worked for me. Mm-hmm. And then the one time that I couldn't do that, it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. vouch for doing it gradually yeah okay well i feel like mallory i feel like we literally went over everything i'm like we i had asked my audience you know what they wanted to hear from you and i went through it all okay is there anything that we didn't discuss that you feel like everybody should know that's listening oh man i mean we covered a lot of the technical stuff i would just encourage folks if they're struggling with the emotional side of it 
if they're, you know, feeling guilty about not being able to breastfeed or not being able to provide breast milk, if they're feeling ashamed or if they feel like they have grief about that feeding journey, that it's okay to, to feel that way and to lean into it. And it's okay to ask for help and to find support, whether that's, you know, joining a page like mine where we talk a lot about that stuff or whether it's going to counseling, which I did for 10 months because I had so much just grief that things didn't yeah. work out the way that they expected. You know, whether that's reading a book or doing some journaling or whatever, it's totally normal and it is okay to feel any feeling, whether that's relief or grief or disappointment or whatever about your baby's feeding journey and really exploring that and letting that be tends to be more helpful than trying to just like get over it and shove it down like with anything else. So yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. And I and um, I love that you're saying that because I think that, again, like, you know, we're marketed Mm -hmm. and being pulled to one side or the other, not realizing that we're humans. We all feel a certain way about these things and they really affect us deeply. Mm -hmm. And to a mom that maybe can't produce milk or just doesn't want to, or when they are nursing, they have really horrible emotions and feelings, you know, for them to go on formula, there's literally nothing wrong with it. Nope. Not at all. You just want your baby fed. And we know, we were talking about mm-hmm. it, there's no, there's nothing been, that's been scientifically proven that mm-hmm. breast milk is better for your child than formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, you need to, you need to do what's best for you and you need to do what's best for the baby. And um, there should be no guilt associated with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is definitely what I want to leave people with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Mallory, yes, for coming absolutely. on Betches Moms. This had, this has been great and so informative. And I've definitely taken a lot away from this. And I know Good. that our listeners will as well. So where can our listeners find you and your resources? Absolutely. So I'm at The Formula Mom on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And then you can also find my resources in the link in my bio on Instagram or at theformulamom.com. And I've got a variety of both free and paid resources that I know have been helpful for so many people. And so if you're in that boat and you're like, I need help, I don't know where to start, please come check it out because I've got some help for you and we're going to make your life easier. Yeah, I did. I did the formula finder one. Yeah, good. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm so glad. I hope it was helpful for you. <laughs> I told you, you were a huge resource for mm-hmm. me. I was. I didn't know where to go. Yeah. So thank you again. And that's it for this episode of Betches Moms Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple and Spotify. Follow at Betches Moms on Instagram. And to follow Mallory, the formula mom, on Instagram as well. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.